0: What's up, Kenfolk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching, wherever it is that you are watching, whether it be YouTube, the Fox Sports app, Facebook, Twitter, or listening, wherever it is you get your favorite podcast. Today, we gotta run through National Signing Day, National Transfer Day, National Who the Hell is on My Team Day. Like that's what this has become, right? And there're lots of things to discuss here because quite frankly, we have not spoken in some time and there has been some moving and some shaking, some transactions have occurred. We got to talk about Texas A&M putting together the greatest co- football recruiting class of all time. We got to talk about USC who has decided to dominate the portal and then Riley has had some words about portal regulation. Interesting. Got to about talk about Texas And Ole Miss and Jimbo Fisher, who's coming through with some Tupac-style hit him up. We got to talk a little bit about Jim Harbaugh, who earlier tonight, as we are doing this live on National Signing Day, told the University of Michigan he's not going to take a job in the NFL. Adam Schefter had that scoop. And then we got to talk a little bit about Jackson State, who might show up and try to run the table in 2022. All right, so let's start off the top with something I mentioned. Off the rip, Texas A&M wants to be third, as they are number one. They put together the greatest college football recruiting class of all time one year after Alabama put together the greatest college football recruiting class of all time. The number is 328.59, and they went over the top Earlier this morning when Shamar Stewart decided to pick A&M over Miami, okay? What this means is Texas A&M has two of the top 10 recruits in the country, including defensive tackle Walter Nolan, who's not only the highest-rated recruit in that class, he is a higher-rated recruit than Miles Garrett and the highest-rated recruit in the history Of Texas A&M football or I should say in the history of the recruiting era which goes back to 1998 which coincidentally is the last time Texas A&M won a conference championship that's wild right even more wild Texas A&M has not won a national championship since 1939 we fought a world war since then okay now interesting about AM finishing at number one is obviously the palace intrigue about how did they put together this class and we will discuss it but for me top line thought here is every team that has finished number one in the recruiting rankings era in the college football playoff era has won a national championship now seeing as since 2010 only two teams have finished number one in the recruiting rankings era, in the college football playoff era, and they are Alabama and Georgia, you get what I'm saying here, right? A&M ought to feel good because they have not done this, right? And it's not just they haven't done this. Neither is Ohio State. Neither is LSU. Neither has Texas. Neither has Clemson. Neither has Oregon. Neither has Florida State. Like, we keep doing this. You know what I'm saying? I'm mentioning programs that have been in the college football playoff or won a national championship, right, and or. I think that this is also a great jumping off point if you're an Aggies fan to say, hey, look, we showed what we were about in 2021 when we beat the national runner up with a backup quarterback who ain't even on the team anymore. And then we went into the portal and we came out with a former starting quarterback at LSU in Max Johnson, and we added his baby brother, Jake, who's one of the top tight ends in the country. It's a nasty class. Like, they're loaded. But more than that, right, it's they have a class that's great. They had a class that was good last year, the year before, and the year before that, which is another way of saying they have a roster that is capable of winning a national championship. That's what you want. So if it was A&M going to number one after being ranked 35, 37, 38, we might not say the same thing. But this is also interesting in that I can look at Texas A&M and I can look at their schedule and I can make an argument for them beating everybody on the schedule. I couldn't do that last year, right? So we're all going to be looking to Texas A&M, but we're also going to be looking at how they put together this 2022 recruiting class because as it was coming together around the early signing period and it was becoming clear that not only would Texas A&M finish as the number one team in the 22 cycle, they would have a shot, to be the best recruiting class of all time. And in the age of name, image, and likeness, and in the age of the Aggie network and the grossly large Aggie alumni, and how badly those folks down at College Station want to win a national championship, people were asking, were players incentivized with a pitch that didn't end with you get to play football at Texas A&M and you get a Texas A&M education. Could it have had something to do with dollar-dollar bills, y'all? As as your man, Johnny Manziel would go, you know, with, with the monies, you know, right here, would it have something to do with that? Okay. Well, Jimbo Fisher heard us talking about how he has put together this 2022 class, and my man showed up to the podium with receipts Listen to what he had to say.
1: Money is being spent in just your. Here's what I'm going to say, and this is point blank. This is point blank to the because here's 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 my problem. There is no thirty million dollar fund. There is no five million. There is no ten. This is garbage, okay? And it does. It pisses me off that people and here it comes from a site called Bro Bible by a guy named Slice Bread. Then everybody runs with it. So it's written on the internet. It's gospel. How irresponsible is that? And then to have coaches in our league and across this league to say it, clown acts. All right? Irresponsible as hell. Multiple coaches in our league. And the guys griping about NIL, griping about transfer portal, using it the most and bragging about it the most. That's the ironic part. You want character? I'll I'll taste it with any of y'all. It's a joke. It does piss me off. The other thing. When you look at at, at vice president, I got another one, vice president of Notre Dame. Supposed to be a rep university, right? That's a heck of a person leading a rep university. I'd be real proud if I hired that guy. Read it off sliced bread. It's funny, when Nick Saban said his quarterback got an $800,000 deal, it was wonderful. Now it ain't wonderful no more, huh? But ours, ours, we ain't got that. Ours are on record what comes up. We ain't doing all them big deals. There ain't nothing on our place that we know of. That's funny when you do it. The hypocrisy is a joke. It's an absolute joke, and it's insulting to to our staff, how hard we work, to how we do things, and it's insulting to Texas A&M because there ain't a better place to go to school and play ball. If you don't like it, we're coming on, get used to it. All right? We ain't going nowhere. It's it's an absolute joke that people put the hard work in and do it. It's irresponsible, but it's funny when they get it, it's all okay. Ball games are changing, man. It ain't because of NIL and what goes on. It's pretty irresponsible of all of them. They're clowns.
0: <laughs> My man dropped Bro Bible, sliced bread, went at administrators, went at coaches, went at message board posters, basically took the microphone and did a rendition of Tupac's, hit him up like I can hear in the background. Take money as a bear, put on the shades, put on the glasses to look down at the index card going, no, no, no. I have more here. I have a list. I have a list. Everybody here is going to get some of this. I was dying. I was dying because I also understand the background as you, the savvy college football fan, also understands the background. But for those of you all that do not understand when Jimbo Fisher was referring to coaches in this league and across this league, okay? Lane Kiffin on Tuesday spoke to media and one of the things the self-proclaimed portal king had to say was, quote, we don't have the funding resources at as some schools with the NIL deals. It's like dealing with salary caps. He went on. I joked I didn't know if Texas A&M incurred a luxury tax with how much they paid for their signing class. Okay. He went on. Somehow, they're going to have to control NIL. You've got these salary caps, schools giving players millions to sign before they play, and other places not able to do that. What would the NFL look like if two or three teams could pay 10 times more than the salary cap? In a quote, to which I have an answer for you, Mr. Kiffin. The answer is Major League Baseball for the last 50 years, okay? Salary caps are meant to create competition 1 through 32. And a matter of fact, since we're here talking about what the NFL might look like or not look like, I remind you the NFL is a socialist institution in that the worst team gets the first pick. The best team gets the last pick. There is a salary cap. You do have to draft a a rookie who is a great quarterback, get him on a rookie deal so you can put around him other dudes that cost a lot of money so you have an opportunity to go win a Super Bowl. That's how that works. Now, college football is a free market enterprise where we have coaches that make $10 million and we have kids that do not make a dime. Okay? So before you start, pointing fingers about who's paying who about what, I would say... You don't want this to change up. You don't want this to change up because people might come into your pockets and start redistributing the wealth to the players that are playing football. But I digress because I wanted to sit here and talk about Jimbo Fisher, who for once is looking around with a point. Like, I don't, I don't often show up here on this show and tell y'all that Texas AM fans have a right to be aggrieved. Doesn't even sound right coming from me, does it? You know? But that's what it is because I'm here for fairness. I'm here for what's right. I'm here for what's true. And as a matter of fact, man, last year, I and others were lauding Nick Saban for putting together that 2021 class that was the greatest of all time. And not once did any one of us talk about a name, image, and likeness deals or dirty dealing by the near 70-year-old head coach. We just said he's the GOAT. Jimbo Fisher wants the same flowers and I don't blame him. He signed 27 kids, one of which is a transfer, and he brought home the goods, all right? I'm with him on this. Give the man his flowers. Give Tech A&M they flowers. And to this point, about a $30 million fund, $5 million fund, whatever it is, Bush is gonna do what boosters are gonna do. Donors are gonna do what donors are gonna do. The point of the matter for me is, don't whine. Just go win. The rules are the rules. You know, when we talked about the portal ruining college football, Nick Saban went in there and brought out Jamison Williams and Henry to Oto. Get out of my face with this. Go win some games. Stop throwing shade because it ain't going so well. But in the case of one Texas, or excuse me, Texas Ole Miss, it is going well so well. And for me, I think that Kiffin's just out there stirring the pot. And we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. But landscape here. So you take this fact with you to work tomorrow, to gloat about who's doing what, or to be right in your facts. Because one of the things I hate with, in all these arguments is people show up with facts that are inaccurate or wrong. Facts you can take with you. Texas A&M sits at the top of the composite with a score of 328.59, okay? Alabama's number two, so they're right there. 322.29, and Georgia is number three at 316.91, followed by Ohio State and Texas, Okay. So it's not as if a is out there by a large stretch. They still got some work to do. But all roads running through the SEC, which has been true since about 2007, really. You know, I mean, outside of SC, ain't nobody else really sniffing the SEC. It's just not happening, okay? But it did occur to me that you could put together a national championship team without out-recruiting doggone near everybody. And that's what this day is for me. Like, one of the things that I find to be most interesting about February 2022 is the death of Clemson. let Let me walk that out, okay? The next Clemson might never happen. Clemson probably won't happen again, okay? Check this out. 2016, the year Clemson won its first national title under Dabo Sweeney, the Tigers finished number 11 in the composite. Okay. The previous year, 2015, the Tigers finished number nine. 2014, they finished number 16. And finally, 2013, the senior class of that 2016 national championship Clemson Tiger team was ranked number 15. There's a precedent, okay, now for four classes consecutively outside of the top 10. Let alone outside the top five, overachieving and winning a national title. However, Clemson is the only program to accomplish that feat in the CFP era. And I dare say nobody else will do it because the transfer portal exists. Okay. Coaches are constantly trawling the portal and kids are constantly putting their names in it day after day. It is completely common now for you to celebrate a kid signing at signing day and then to grieve the loss of him going into the portal and the re-recruitment of him. Caleb Williams, on July 4th, 2020, threw the horns down on national TV and an OU hat with the D.C. skyline behind him and fireworks going off. Where is he playing football now? Yeah, we'll talk about that. But the other part about this is, to put in perspective what 2016 Clemson had accomplished, you have to think about 2022 Tennessee, producer cats, Tennessee. Okay. It would be like this 2022 class winning a national championship or this 2022 Tennessee team winning a national championship. And that's 2022 class would be true freshmen because the volunteers were number 13 in 2019, number 11 in 2020, number 22 in 2021 and number 15 today. I submit to you. Tennessee's a good football team, and I enjoy watching them play football, and I have all respect for Josh Heupel and what he has done, and I'm excited to see what Hendon Hooker can do this season. However, I am not going to pick Tennessee to win the national championship this year. It ain't happening. And you know what? You ain't doing it. And you know what? Tennessee fans ain't doing it. That's how absurd 2016 Clemson is. It ain't supposed to happen, dog. And now it can't happen because Clemson had built a reputation around we recruit the hell out of our players. We don't offer a bunch because we don't want a bunch. We want you. And that worked. They got the guys they wanted. They built a culture that held them there. I mean, we were talking about going something like six years without Clemson suffering a decommitment before Corey Foreman did it. Like, that's ridiculous and one of the reasons that you could still do that you didn't have to contend with the transfer portal the transfer portal has blown up Clemson blown up everybody but it's especially blown up Clemson who had built its reputation and its foundation upon recruiting prior to the portal where you could hold kids you could talk to them about staying the course you could develop them grow them up and overachieve with them kids are no longer that patient because they don't have to be at the end of the day they want to play Winning national championships does not factor. What does, who's going to put me into the NFL, who's going to put me in the NFL very quickly, and where can I have a doggone good time playing football? Okay? It's wild. We're never going to see another Clemson. Okay. The big news on Tuesday going into Wednesday was, of course, Caleb Williams transferring to USC. Today, Lincoln Riley was talking to almost everybody about his USC class, it features Caleb Williams, okay? He was the 14th player to this 2022 cycle for them, the 13th transfer of a 14-person class that features not just Williams, but former OU players Mario Williams and Latrell McCutcheon and, of course, half the 2021 Oklahoma staff. Now, shouts to Caleb Williams, who tweeted a graphic of him donning the USC stuff and you can see the G funk was very well represented but sh- hey 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 look look at, look look at me look 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 at, look look at me i saw nwa or half of nwa on that graphic shout i seen cube i seen Dre. take it back though take it back though put the easy on that graphic put mc ren on that put yellow on that graphic Don't play with me. Oh, no, no. Don't play with me. You can't have Snoop on that and not talk about what Snoop was doing in the 90s. Play with me. Okay. I know who school USC is. Okay. Nah, I'm not. Look, look, I lived through the Bush years like everybody else. Love and respect Matt Liner. But don't, don't, don't you play with me by putting Cube and Dre on that and being like, yeah, USC. Nah, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I want to see the West side connect. Show up. Show me what the Coliseum was talking about when when the Raiders was playing at the Coliseum. All
1: right.
0: With Williams joining the 2022 recruiting class at SC and probably being the week one starter, we all think SC is supposed to be good. And the reason I say we all think is twofold. The first one is on January 13th, Fox Bet had USC as a plus 8,000 favorite to win the national championship. The same morning that Caleb Williams let us all know he is going to SC, the odds fell to plus 3,500. Now, for those of y'all that are not wise to bookmaking, bookmakers are not interested in picking winners bookmakers are interested in winning they are not interested in losing so they looked at caleb williams going to usc looked at how we reacted to caleb williams going into the portal and then perhaps coming out of usc and adjusted the odds to reflect hey the public believes usc ought to be good in 2022 so they have odds that reflect our feeling, and our propensity to perhaps pick USC to be good. Now, what you need to know is that football people, myself included, are like, yeah, I think they're going to be stout offensively. They're going to have Caleb Williams. They're going to have Jake Smith. They're going to have Mario Williams. They're going to have Gary Bryant Jr. They're going to have dudes at the skill positions. There's still a question about, what the offensive line is going to look like. And if I was the offensive line, I would be keeping all y'all's tweets as receipts and nailing them to the wall in the locker room. But the real problem for SC was the same problem at Oklahoma. What the hell's the defense going to do? I'm serious. Like, that's not shade. Now, Alex Grinch flipped around Oklahoma into a top 25 defense at one point. That ain't going to win you no national championship. As a matter of fact, Brent Venable said earlier today at his signing day press, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, you don't win championships by outscoring people. You win championships by stopping other people from scoring. And nobody can tell you the truth of that more than an Oklahoma fan. I was five-man look. When Lincoln Riley was the head coach at Oklahoma, averaging 42 points game like it was nothing, putting up 50 on people. The problem was people would put 50 up on Oklahoma. Now, if that's what happens at SC, yeah, you're going to be good. And I think they ought to be good. I think it's anywhere from 8 to 10, right? Now, Utah's going to have some stuff to say about this. I'm interested to see what Oregon looks like. But 8 to 10. But they also have a really cool schedule. They got Fresno State with Jake Hainer returning. They got Utah. They've got Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman. That's going to be a lot of fun. But I'm not saying pump the brakes on USC. I'm saying listen when we say you got to get the defense right, and that's where the work is, okay? But Caleb Williams also, you'll note, is great when you can run the football. Oklahoma wasn't always able to run the football, okay? But when it was able to run the football, yeah, that dude was lighting people up. I want to see what they're going to look like when they get a run game back at USC, and it won't be that long, right? Can you sustain? It's, it's also. Offensive line, right? Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. But shout out to Caleb. Caleb's cool. I really enjoy him. I'm going to look forward to watching him play wherever he plays. I root for the kids. Yes, SC also went 4-8 last year. You have to say it. You you have to say it. It's a monumental task. Okay. The other part about this Lincoln Riley day, where he's doing the car wash, he's talking to local media, he's talking to uh, ESPN, you know, getting on the shows. Is he had some things to say about the transfer portal, which is interesting because Lincoln Riley and USC had the number one transfer class in 2022, which is a thing, right? We would have not thought of that as a thing if not for April 2021 when the NCAA said, hey, look, everybody gets transfer one time without sitting out a year. Now it's a thing to have a transfer class. That's great. But he said, quote, and I'm going to read this at length. The portal change the way college football operates at some point we'll have to put in some guardrails to ensure when it happened or when it can happen when it can't happen so players and staff are a little bit more on the same page right now it's so open-ended that I think it is difficult for players difficult for coaches building rosters trying to project for the future the ill effects of Of that, when you start looking down at high school athlete and how many of these scholarships are actually going to players in high school, is concerning. So I think so much has changed. There's a lot of really good, smart people in college football that care about the sport. I think a lot of those people need to get together as we have a chance to assess all that's happened, and I think we can put together a plan that gives everybody flexibility that they want, but also maintains kind of the integrity of building a roster and being able to use all the different channels to do that in a positive way. A lot to unpack there. So allow me. Because I had some time to sit here and think about this. It's not that the NCAA does not have smart people. It's not that there aren't smart people at athletic departments and athletic directors and conference commissioners and people of that sort. Because many of those folks have law degrees and have worked very hard to get to where they are. And they didn't get there by being stupid. And I really resent that that's where we are. where We will just call somebody stupid. No. It's, it's not that. People have beliefs and people have ways of thinking and they work within systems that doesn't make them stupid. In fact, makes them smarter than most of us. Problem with this though is the NCAA has a has little appetite to limit the movement of student athletes, right? And the reason for this is Austin versus NCAA, okay, the US Supreme Court case from last year. That was a case that in which the Supreme Court said there's no reasonable difference between college and professional sports in limiting educational benefits that college athletes can receive. On this show, I'm making jokes about how George is going to give all of their players Alienware laptops, which is this top-of-the-line gaming laptop, one that I have, uh, shouts to me who has been destroying Metroid Dread. But Justice Neil Gorsuch, Gorsuch excuse me, wrote in his opinion for the court that the NCAA, quote, seeks immunity from normal operation of antitrust laws, end quote saw no reason to grant NCAA immunity from the antitrust law for the sake of, quote, amateurism, okay? This is where the rub is because Gorsuch is letting the NCAA know where it stands if there is a challenge to the NCAA's antitrust portion of pay for play, okay? So, for instance, going back to Lane and talking about salary caps. To have a salary cap, you must first have a collective bargaining agreement before having a collective bargaining agreement you must first have a union to bargain with and any union is going to cape for fair pay for its labor the labor would be the players which would mean the universities themselves would be fitting the bill to pay the players to play sports now many of you understand that most sports do not generate a profit football does some basketball does, fewer baseball teams do, but outside of that, everybody else is operating at a loss. The idea here being that sports is part of the education of going to a university, except it's not because they give scholarships for being good at football. They also give scholarships for being good at academics. They rarely give scholarships for both. And when you go to one of those places, you're usually not playing for championships like Princeton, like Yale, like Dartmouth. You understand what I'm saying here? We have already come to understand big-time college football programs court big-time college football recruits not just to win, but to put into the NFL to become millionaire alumnus who might think about giving some of those millions back to the school. At the center of all this is a university system that continues to print money along with conferences who negotiate the television contracts on their behalf. If you limit the movement of players by saying who can do what in the portal without limiting the coaches' movement from one school to another or capping their pay, you're going to have an antitrust suit on your hands. And there are lots of attorneys who are looking for a way into this because it will be a windfall and it will be a landmark case if and when it should happen. So the NCAA is tiptoeing around this hoping – that at the federal level, somebody comes up with regulation that the NCAA has to answer to. Probably not going to go that way because everybody has an opinion about this and states have their own laws. It's just a big mess, but it gets messier if you try to stop these kids from transferring schools, no matter the consequences. So for now, manage your roster, $10 million head coach, and stop complaining. mud. My- Goodness, we got more $10 million whiny people than we've ever had. My good. If you told any other one of us, hey, you get to be the head coach of a football team. Oh, yeah, what's the pay? $10 million. I'm not going to be yelling at you about whether or not I can find kids to put on scholarship. My God. It's, 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 I, how do you get through to someone like that? Go to work, do a job. That's American. Go to work, do a job. And it's me. All right. So, outside of that, we've also seen the portal turn zeros to heroes in portal combat. Like you know, it's like we're fighting Outworld, you know, to keep Earth Realm part of Earth Realm and keep it away from Outworld. And the best way to do that is to go into the portal and come out with a champion. Come out with a Luke Kang, right? Come out with somebody that can defeat Chronica. You know what I'm saying? All right. So Ole Miss went into the portal, into the portal, into the portal, and came out with its version of Raiden, Liu Kang, and Scorpion. Right? That'd be Jackson Dart, who was starting games at USC. Right? Michael Trigg, one of the best tight ends in the country in his recruiting class, and Zach Evans, who was a monster at tailback. First Texas Christian, now at Ole Miss. All right. They got good in a hurry over there, reloading after losing. Matt Corral is probably going to get drafted in the first round. All three of their tailbacks, right? Some pretty great wide receivers. Matter of fact, I had said Michael Trigg is the most talented tight end to sign with Ole Miss since Dawson Knox. And I got uh, folks like Kenny Yaboa coming at me talking about who who is me. I'm the dude with the opinion saying Michael Trigg is good. And at the time, yeah, he he's a better prospect. He might not turn out to be as good as some others, but I'm right to say so. Okay. Michael Trigg is gonna prove whether or not we're right or wrong. Out also in there, Texas. There's dangerous as USC. Like all this love that USC is getting. And I keep saying it every year, and I understand you don't want to say you want to hear it. And I sound like a broken record, and I get on my own nerves with this, but it's true every year. Texas is talented. What do you want me to do about it? Like, there's nothing to do about it. You can't keep telling me, yeah, they're talented to go 5-7, and to go 4-4 and in conference. I don't care. I am assuming the talent rises. You know, we on our macho man Randy Savage over here. The cream rises to the top until such a time as it doesn't. And right now, good as me, number five in the recruiting rank is 2022. Added former number one overall recruit, top quarterback in Quinn Ewers, one of six dudes to ever get a perfect score in the 247 sports composite, along with dudes like, I don't know, Vince Young. Good grief. Jaleel Billingsley, who is perhaps the most talented tight end prospect, period in the 2022 college football season. And I say that it's not just because he's coming from Alabama. It's because in 2020, when Alabama wins the national championship, you got Jalen Waddell sideline. You know who's back there returning kicks. The friggin' tight end Jaleel Billingsley. Holy smokes, guys! Like, if you get that dude the rock, he's gonna make you look good. He's gonna make you look real good. And now you got Bijan Robinson seven and a half yards deep. You got Xavier Worthy on one side, they added Wyoming transfer, Isaiah Nair, who was outstanding last year to the other side. And you got Quinn Ewers battling Hudson Carr for the job along with, oh yeah, Malik friggin' Murphy coming in who might actually be a dark horse to win this starting job because he's got a cannon for an arm and he's as big as Tyrone Swopes was. Goodness me, fellas. Like, I'm, I'm getting excited about it because it's a really talented roster, all right? It's gonna be fun. Let it be fun, all right? Okay, outside of that, we still gotta talk about alabama and georgia all the time do you know why because they finished number two and number three in this cycle and they were the two teams playing for the national championship and georgia just won a national championship but for me this is what's most interesting about that georgia wins national championship jermaine burton wide receiver starting on that georgia team they won a national championship goes to the transfer portal comes out of alabama you got Miko Hardman, he, the Georgia alumnus, you know, one of those millionaires that I, you know, they recruited to Georgia to play football, ends up becoming a millionaire, playing in the NFL, hoping to, you know, he'll be a millionaire donor at Georgia as an alumnus. Hello. He's also dunking on Jermaine Burton, who was playing at Georgia for going to the team that they just beat. Hello. But I love that. I love that because Jermaine Burton looked at Jamison Williams and said, I can do that. Jamison Williams, who is battling Jackson Smith and Jigba for playing time at Ohio State as the number three wide receiver who goes into the portal, comes out at Alabama. Take that spot Jaleel Billingsley had, returning kick, took two back to the house against Southern Miss and became one of the best wide receivers in the country and perhaps the first wide receiver off the board in 2022 off the strength of one season at Alabama. Yeah, Jermaine Burton wants some of that because as I said, it ain't about winning championships. It's about getting to the NFL. And now he got a championship. Now he trying to get to the NFL. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? It's there. Use your eyes. All right? Now, on the flip side, you also got Georgia, who ain't going down without a fight. Now, they fielded one of the great defenses of all time last year. Okay? It's like them. It's like 08 USC, who didn't let nobody score nothing ever. And then it's like 0-2 Miami, which was just full of studs. My goodness, they get me fired up, that 0-2 Miami squad. I don't know how y'all lost to a dude named Craig Krenzel, who my grandmama could outrun, but you did it. Shout out to Ohio State. They, they got the title, you know. But they're going to lose a bunch of dudes off of that 20, or 2021 Georgia team, and they're going to add at least one stud. Here's the name for you to know. Malachi Starks say it again Malachi Starks this man is an absolute freak show he is my favorite recruit in 2022 because the the things that man will do when a football's in the air are stupid he closes Ah, it's like watching Roquan Smith with like 30 extra pounds it's just fun okay he might play some nickel. He might play some safety. He might play some wide receiver. I don't really know what Kirby Spartan is going to decide to do with him, but whatever it is, I'm going to watch. So, for me, Lion Malachi starts up against Jermaine Burton at least once if Alabama-Georgia gets to play, and I'll be happy because I feel like there's going to be some energy exchange there. You know, Matter of fact, perhaps that is my Shang Tsung versus Liu Kang for the throne you know, for the right to be fire guy Liu Kang or, uh, you know, Shane Sung, who wants to be the emperor of the known universe and control time. Man, I, I've i been playing too much Mortal Kombat 11, man. I'm telling you, it's just in my brain now. All right, earlier today, Jim Harbaugh interviewed for the head coach job at Minnesota, okay? <clears throat> it's signing day. That's awkward and that's weird. Okay, let me understand after beating Ohio State for the first time in a decade last season, winning the Big Ten title for the first time since the league created divisions, making a CFP for the first time in school history, and putting together the most successful season in Ann Arbor in more than 20 years, Wolverine fans would be forgiven if they have mixed emotions today. Because despite... Returning two talented tailbacks, Donovan Edwards and Blake Corman, adding a transfer and Jarek Broussard, who was outstanding Colorado, keeping Broyles award winning offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis on staff and cementing a top 10 recruiting class in this cycle. Jim Arbaugh was telling anybody that would listen if I get offered an NFL head coach job, I'm going to take it. Now, full respect for him, not cloaking dagger in the thing, you know, being on the phone or being in the living room talking about come play at University of Michigan and also interview him for head coaching jobs. He's telling anybody that would listen, including those recruits, hey, I want to coach in the NFL again. That's going to happen. Well, it ain't happened. He interviewed for the job, called up the folks at University of Michigan and said, I'm going to be returning to which the University of Michigan folks are reportedly elated. But are they though? Are they really though? Let me unpack this on their side. Michigan was sorry in 2020. Say that again. Michigan was sorry in 2020. So sorry that they lost twice as many games as they won, and then they made Jim Harbaugh renegotiate his contract so that it was incentive-based because they could not come around to paying that man the amount of money they were paying that man to put out the team and the product that they did in 2020. That's not me saying they were sorry. That is the administration of the University of Michigan saying they were sorry. And Jim Harbaugh, who deserves all credit, said bet and put out one of the best teams that Michigan has seen in the past 20 years and then treated them with the same loyalty that they treated him with last year. I don't fault the man. Not at all. But this also comes at a wildly complicated moment because on Tuesday, former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores filed suit alleging racial discrimination in hiring practices against the entire NFL. Okay? It's a 58-page suit. There's a lot in it. I've read it. I'm still taking things apart from it. But this you need to understand. Brian Flores has as recently as December coached an NFL team. It's been nearly six years since Jim Harbaugh coached an NFL team. Brian Flores probably would have been up for the Minnesota head coaching job if he hadn't filed suit against, you know, the 32 owners of teams in the league. If Minnesota had hired Jim Harbaugh a day after Flores filed that suit, it would have been a terrible look. For Minnesota and the NFL. And rightly and wrongly, it would have made Harbaugh look bad, right? I don't believe he deserves any shade whatsoever for this, but his name and his interviewing were attached. And quite frankly, he decided he's gonna take an interview on national signing day. If I'm his agent, I'm calling him out like, yo, dog, yeah, do we need it? Do we need to do it on this day? Can we do it the next day? Is it is it really gonna make that much of a difference? So I having my suspicions about whether or not Minnesota was actually going to hire him in the first place. And then after the Flores thing, I'm like, yo, Byron is going to get a call. Eric B. Enemy going to get a call. Todd is going to get a call. I can keep going along. Raheem Morris. Dudes going to get calls, right? Certain dudes going to get calls. But they'd already told it that we're going to give this interview. So they gave this interview. But more than anything else for you, fan of the sport, fan of your team, it shows even more how loyalty is not guaranteed among coaches. As a matter of fact, loyalty can make fools of our faith, right? Sucks, but is what it is. Like, think about, I say think about, don't think about me. That People make it about me. You've had a coach that has coached your program or coached your team that you really adored who had to leave for one reason or another. And if he left you for a, cute west coast blonde who is amazing to him and sunshine and you're in this state where we're going to have a winter warning and there's snow and ice you feel some kind of way because there's nothing you can do about the weather here and you just a, a brown black man that likes rooting for the crimson and cream you feel some kind of way about it and now you're jaded you're scarred You don't respect loyalty because you understand everybody got a price. Michigan, welcome to the club. You know what I mean? All right, Ohio State overhauled his defensive staff, highlighted by the hiring of defense coordinator Jim Knowles, who feels the urgencies. matter of fact, he gave this quote that I want to give to you that I thought was really on the nose, and one of the reasons I think they're going to get it right quick, fast, in a hurry. There's a lot of pressure, he said. I mean, that's not lost on me. This is not an entry-level position. To those that have been given a lot, a lot is expected. He understands. Now, the knock on Knowles is that it took some years for his 4-2-5 to start working at Oklahoma State. And then they had a doggone great season. Second best season in school history, period. Because the defense was stout. Defense was awesome. He's also added... You know, Perry Elliott, who is the safeties coach, coming from Cincinnati where, you know, Kobe Bryant and also Sauce Gardner, where his corner's at Cincinnati, both of those dudes, outstanding. One's an All-American. One won the Thorpe Award for the best defensive back in the country. You can do a lot worse. You're going to have dudes over there. You got Ronnie Hickman. You got Denzel Burt. You're getting Zach Harrison back. I think Jack Sawyer is going to break out. JT Tuimola is probably going to come on. You have dudes. And Ryan Day is paying him 1.2. I should say the Ohio State is paying him $1.9 million. But Ryan Day has said, I expect him to be a defensive head coach. Which is another way of saying, I don't want to have to worry about the defense. That's your job. I got C.J. Stroud. I got Travion Henderson. I got Jackson Smith and Jigba. Marvin Harrison Jr. Ameka Egbuka. I don't want to do your job. I want to run my offense. I want to put a fitting. Okay. Make sure I can put up fitting and I'm not having to outscore somebody else who can also put up fitty. Not trying to be Oklahoma North over here. Okay? I recognize that. I'm with that. Ohio State also, again, number four recruiting class 2022. It's nasty. Added Corner Canyon quarterback Devin Brown, who was committed to USC, but Clay Helton got fired and he reopened. Ryan Day swooped in there. The reason I said Corner Canyon is because you'll understand Jackson Dart also came out of Corner Canyon. As did Zach Wilson. It's becoming a little bit of a QB factory out there in Draper, Utah. Perhaps you should recruit their quarterbacks. They turned out to be pretty doggone good. Okay. All right. Last thing I want to hit on before we get out of here is Jackson State has a Gatorade athlete and the only football player to sign a Gatorade contract in Deion Sanders' son and quarterback should Sanders and it's not as if you know it's just name recognition with Sanders number one he was highly touted coming out of Trinity as a high school dude was going to go to Florida Atlantic his daddy got the job at Jackson State he decided to go to Jackson State play for his daddy understand that but he also this year won the FCS Jerry Rice Award which is given to the nation's best freshman in America okay also added this: Jackson State won 11 games last year of course they lost the celebration bowl South Carolina State did the de facto national championship game among HBCUs. But also in there, they add Kevin Coleman to this class, who was a top 100 receiver and the number one player in Missouri. Ahead of guys like, you know, Luther Burton. See what I'm saying here? Okay. Other part about that that that's interesting is, of course, Travis Hunter. Need I remind you, Jackson State added the number one player In the country, Travis Hunter is the first five-star to sign with an FCS school, let alone an HBCU, in the rankings era. It's such a huge deal. And I would expect to see that dude playing both ways because he's got it like that, but also because you could do that at Jackson State. And I'm really excited to see what Deion Sanders is doing for an encore in 2022. Other thing I want to point out about the Travis Hunter bit is – He does not expect to be the last five-star to make this decision at Jackson State. It's also interesting in that if you look at the composite and you look at the top ten recruits, you'll see some names. You'll see Jackson State at number one, and you won't see any player signed with Alabama. That is not how I expected 2022 to go. Last thing about Kayla Williams and USC before I get out of here. I'm a fan of Shakespeare. You know this. I understand that some of y'all have seen the tragedy of Macbeth. But I'm reminded of Macbeth being in his throne room. They have tied me to a stake. I cannot fly, but bear like I must fight the course. What's he who is not born of a woman? And such a one am I to fear or none? Young Seward walks in, or maybe young sooner. What is thy name? Thou would be afraid to hear it. No. No. Though thou claimest a name hotter than it's any in hell. And then we get my man say, my name's Macbeth. Like I'm a gangster. You know, like my name, USC quarterback Caleb Williams, to which we get the young Seward, young sooner. The devil himself could not pronounce a title more hateful to mine ear. And then the gangster Macbeth says, no, none more fearful. Caleb Williams, go do your thing, baby. Do your thing. I'm excited about it. Thank you for giving me a month of drama and a much of the innuendo. It's been fun on the tweets. Let's do it again next week. All right, this show is awesome. I love doing this show. I'm the host, I'm RJ Young. Our lead producer is Katherine Donnelly. Our director is John Marcus. Niles Owens is on the switches and Tyler Wojak is helping with all elements of putting the show together, man. That is it for me. Doses.